0: to Grow It Minnesota, the podcast about growing fruit, vegetables, flowers, and anything else in a cold, cold climate. I'm your host, Mary Shear, a home gardener and garden writer based in St. Paul, Minnesota. My book is The Northern Gardener from Apples to Zinnias, a basic guide for northern gardeners with a little history thrown in. The history is from the Minnesota State Horticultural Society. I also edit their magazine, northern gardener and you can find more about that at northerngardener.org or check out my blog mynortherngarden.com now let's get on to today's guest So today, my guest is uh, Dawn Lamb. She is the founder of the Como Community Seed Library in St. Paul, which is a traveling seed library that shares seeds with gardeners in that area. So thank you, Dawn, for joining me. And tell me a little bit about your own journey as a gardener. How did you get to be a gardener and how did you get to be a seed saver? Uh, well, um, I
1: was born in Southern California and I come from a family of, uh, victory gardeners and farmers, uh, that originated on the East Coast. Um, in Southern California, you can plant, uh, anything 24-7. I grew up in a community, or I should say my young childhood was in a community, um, of Riverside and they're, uh, the parent, two-parent, um, Naval orange trees were planted, and so we were surrounded uh, by orange groves, and the local university uh, was an ag university, so uh, my childhood is very much remembering um, being among the orange groves and growing things like tomatoes and various herbs um, on um, a small plot of land um, around our house. Boy, it must have been a shock to come to Minnesota then. (laughs) Well, um, I was, uh, my father was transferred uh, to the Midwest. uh, So most of my, from the age of 10 years on, I grew up in Nebraska um, in the community of Omaha and uh, surrounded by cornfields and big wide open skies.
0: So let's tell me a little bit about the, about Como Community Seed Library. How did it get started and what does it do?
1: Como Community Seed Library started in the in the fall of 2015 to support uh getting seed uh primarily seed that is organic and uh from heirloom or open pollinated sources mm-hmm. um uh, out to the community. Uh what started, what uh was important to me was that Uh, we be able to save a diverse seed supply within the community that uh, could not, that local seed savers, um, okay, so, most seed libraries, when for the first seed libraries opened in in Minnesota, uh, the Duluth Seed Library opened first. Uh, they opened for a brief period of time, and then realized that because of patent laws and because of certain laws uh, to protect that were on the books to protect, make sure that farmers and grower and and gardeners had access to. Uh, viable seed that basically would uh, produce a crop that that was that seed um, so that seed was viable so you might have um, a viability of 80% or more Mm -hmm. in a crop Or that you would have that the tomato that was on the package was the tomato you would get. Um, Those were the laws that were on the books. Um, But what it also did said was that you couldn't share seed, so that it was against the law to share seed. Um, Organizations like the Duluth Seed Library and Growing uh, and Gardening Matters at the time, um, which was is a Twin Cities, was a Twin Cities based. Uh, nonprofit organization worked to get the law changed so that as long as you weren't supplying seed for a commercial purpose, you could share seed through a seed library. Oh
0: that was great, that
1: was great. yes <laughs> um, we I became active in in as a seed librarian or to share seed locally uh, because it became aware it became apparent to me that seed was no longer uh in the common um in for the common good of the people that it was um being patented so that folks could get in trouble small scale farmers were getting in trouble for saving seed in their fields um large in fact they were being sued and driven out of business hmm. by large agrochemical companies uh, for saving seed out of their fields, uh, I also became aware that we had lost close to sixty percent of our seed diversity in a sh- in over a hundred year period of time. Uh, many of the seeds that my small scale farmer family in North Carolina grew are no longer available. Right, and uh, and the the idea that. My great aunt, who saves seed, who's eighty years old, who saves seeds um, from her grocery store tomato, what could possibly be sued and lose her family farm? Um, may was my activation. Um, I was at that time became aware of another organization called um, the uh, Organic Seed Alliance and um, a movement called o- Open Source Seed Initiative that was founded out of um, uh, uh, UW-Madison. Uh, or Milwaukee. So anyway, that's what started my act, my activity in uh, wanting to share seed. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been, as a gardener, um, I've been saving seed or working with seed uh, plant cuttings, that sort of uh, thing since I was a child. Um, So it, it came naturally. Uh, We have a very local, uh, very active local and very supportive, uh, community council here in St. Paul. Um, as a, as a city, our community councils are very important to our neighborhoods and, um, the environmental, com- the environmental, uh, committee, uh, supported our, ha- have been very supportive of our events that we've had as a traveling seed library. We usually host, uh, two events. We collaborate with our local, uh, um, Master Gardeners, Ramsey County Master Gardeners. Mm-hmm. And we also coordinate with other uh, uh, garden educators in the area. Um, our first seed adventures started with a seed stock that was given to us through the um, Community Seed Resource Program by Seed Savers Exchange. Um, one of the best organizations that you can possibly tap into if you're interested in seed saving and uh, heritage um varieties
0: yeah and they have have great great seeds seeds if you buy buy them them too (laughs) yes that too um they also have seed that isn't available uh
1: there's something called the exchange that you can participate Mm -hmm. in as a seed Mm -hmm. saver uh whether you want to get seed or you want to share seed back to the parent organization or other seed savers throughout the world um Yes. So that's a little bit about us. I also gave you a little bit of information on one of our, um, one of our partners and, um, and mentors for our, our organization.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. Let's take it back a, a step and explain sure. some of the terms that you used, um, which I think many people know that are gardeners, but, but not, not everybody, everybody does. does. So sure. for instance, open pollinated heirloom, And hybrid seeds. Can you kind of draw some distinctions among those types of seeds that people might buy or might, or might save? Right. So hybrid seeds are usually
1: seeds. um, uh, Most of the seed stock that people, farmers work with and a lot of gardeners work with are usually hybrids. Um, if you look at a seed packet, it'll have a fancy name on it. It'll also maybe on the back of the packet say have an F1, which is the first generation of a hybrid. Uh, to Creating a hybrid, uh, usually in the first generation, you'll p- find more uh, disease resistance and you mm-hmm. might find plant vigor out of that. If you're a seed saver, what you will find in the second generation by saving seeds from a hybrid is that it will not breed true to type, as in the tomato on the front of the package is not the tomato you will get if you save seeds from a hybrid tomato. That second generation will express a lot of other traits that are not weren't what was selected for when the hybrid was uh, bred.
0: Yeah, the way I explain it to people is the second generation of a hybrid seed is like when your kid acts like your mother in law. Correct. It's like, <laughs> I, where did that come from? <laughs> So, oh, yeah. so you
1: can, so you can as a seed saver, you can save seeds from a hybrid if you want it to breed true to type, which is basically the seed that you get, the plant that you will get the second generation is mm-hmm. going to look like the plant and the crop that you got from the first generation. Then you start with a, a open pollinated seed
0: right.
1: and an open pollinated seed source. Um, so, and an open pollinated variety, um,
0: organization. So an open pollinated variety basically means it's it's, it's pollinated by the bees, or, or someone, or nobody, or by itself. True. And so it comes. It's just it, generation after generation, the seed is more or less the same. The pro- crop it produces is the same, right? Correct. You should generation
1: after generation get. A seed that is true to type. Um, we've I've uh, talked a lot about a tomato because tomatoes have something that's called, for the most part, they're called perfect flowers, and because it's a perfect flower, um, it has both male and female parts. It is uh, it will breed true to type for the home gardener growing tomatoes and saving seeds for for following seasons is easy. You don't need to, for a lot of seed crops, you need to have multiple seed plants to have a viable, uh, have a viable seed stock for generations and generations. Mm-hmm. Um, for the home gardener, you can save seed from one or two tomato plants and the following season, and probably for six years, have seed that will breed again, true to type plant um, year after year with good germination rate and good vigor.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, and then let's say so germ, germination rate means that when you start the seeds, a certain percent of them actually produce plants. Pro- correct. Yes, correct. And it, and then heirloom versus heirloom versus open pollen. I mean, what does the heirloom to, term mean? Heirloom is usually
1: a variety that has been established for six years or more. There mm-hmm. are. Traditional plant breeders out there who are working on creating modern heirlooms. Uh, good, um, st- sticking with our tomatoes. Um, if you have ever um, enjoyed the uh, Brad's Atomic Grape, uh, oh, I had yeah. that this year. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um that, that I love Brad's Atomic Grape. Um, it's uh, Brad's Atomic Grape is a modern heirloom. Mm Uh, so, and and it was bred in a traditional, in a traditional manner in that it was it was bred by a grower with not, not using genetic, not replacing genetic, using genetic, uh, splicing CRISPR to create the
0: tomato. Right. So it was more, it was done in the kind of the way Mendel would have done it. Correct. Is that yes, the old exactly. Yes. By, yes. by taking the pollen from one and putting it on another. And creating yes, it. yes. Okay. Good, good. So if I um, if I wanted to save seeds, you know, what are some of the easiest seeds for a home gardener to save just for themselves? You know, for the, the easiest seeds to save are going to be your native species. So
1: for grasses and flowers, native species are something you can go out and just collect in your garden. Um for, for folks who are, who have, um, natives, native species in their garden spaces. Uh, the other ones would be lettuces, greens, Mm -hmm. um, anything in that for greens and then, uh, peas and bees, beans, as well Mm -hmm. as
0: tomatoes. Right. And so when, when do you, Gather the seeds. I mean, what's the do you is it can you go can you leave it be in the ground too long and you've missed the window to, to harvest the seed? I mean, how do you, when do you do that? The easy thing
1: for peas and beans is you're going to leave some of the pods on the plant, let them dry down until they are brown. And then mm-hmm. you're going to harvest the pods either by taking the entire plant out at the end of the season, hanging it upside down so it dries down even further, or uh, you're going to take those pods and place them someplace again so that they, dr- after they, they've they turned brown on the plant, then you're going to take them and put them someplace so that they can dry down more. Um when selected, with the seed in the pot. With right? the seed in the pot, we want okay. to we want to let it mature on the plant as much as possible. Um, mm-hmm. The same way with tomatoes. Uh, tomatoes, you let them ripen on the vine to the point that uh, they're ripe for eating or slightly overripe, and then you would harvest those and. Uh, Peas and beans and lettuce are what are, are, are harvested by a dry method, which is simply with peas and beans, you're going to take the after the peas are and beans are pods are dried down, ready to almost split, you're going to take those, open them, and save the pot save the beans that look most peas and beans that look most like the parent plant and the parent and the parent fruit. Um, mm-hmm. so that, uh, your pea, if you're create, if you're saving a snap pea or a, um, an eating pea, you're, they're going to look garden pea, variety pea, sweet pea, you're, it's going to look like when you open the pod, does it look like the pea that you wanted to get? Um, Are and like the seed that yeah, you planted, you mean? Y- yes. The seed, okay. um, or, the variety that you it's expressing the traits that you, you want to save for Mm -hmm. Um, so that any uh, genetic variation that might be within an heirloom or, or if there was any possible uh, because a flower is perfect doesn't mean unless you have isolated it um, either different methods for using isolation. We can talk about that later, but um, if you haven't isolated, it's possible that it was visited by a bumblebee Mm-hmm. a honeybee or possibly a fly and the pollen was carried from one flower to another, from one, from one particular variety to another. So inspecting your peas and beans and saving those that are true to, t- that you see only with peas and beans. When you, when you're picking them, can you actually select because that peas and beans are, I found out um, you can actually, it will show you what you're going to get for the next coming generation. Um, So you you actually know if you've had any crossing um, when you just open the pod, which is nice. Most important thing about all seed is that before you store it, it is completely dry. Mm -hmm. With peas and beans, if you take the seed, apply pressure with your fingernail to the pea or bean and see if it leaves a dent, it's not dry enough. You need to dry it down to the point where you could leave no mark on that particular seed. After the seed is dry, there, are, for the home gardener, two different ways depends. You can store your seed for short term seed storage. Put it in an envelope or a paper bag. M- label, label, label. No. Right. <laughs> I should
0: write that across <laughs> my forehead. <laughs> yes, label. Okay.
1: So, you want to you want to label inside your bag or your envelope with the information of the year, the variety, the type of crop it is, if you know where the, the where the seed came from originally. That information is important. Any other information about why you grew the seed, what we call a seed story, um, make sure that is included. Because if you share this information, you'll want to pass this on to some other gardener. Um, And then then how many plants you, you harvested from. Did you have four bean plants? Then say harvested pods from four bean plants. And then as far as, and that's for short-term storage, store in a dry, cool place. Seeds like humidity and temperatures that if you add the humidity level and the temperature, it stores best at those numbers that are below 100, that would equal 100.
0: Okay. So when you say short-term, you mean like till the next spring? Until the next season, Correct. Okay, and um, so where do you put your seeds? In a bedroom, in the basement? <laughs> so, for, so for
1: because optimally for long-term storage, you want to store your seeds at, in dry, cold conditions. Mm-hmm. And optimally, that would be in a seed bank or your, the back of your freezer or in, in a glass jar with desiccant packets. Mm-hmm. uh not all of us have that option for you can double the length of your s- f- seed viability um by storing seeds in a glass jar with a desiccant pack just right off the bat in our particular in our particular case uh we rotate our seeds uh every few years uh every, as much as possible for the seed library and we store those in glass jars in a basement uh, because that's where the most consistent uh, humidity and temperature mm-hmm. is and is the darkest space.
0: Right. Right, that's great. Okay, let's get into tomatoes because those are a little trickier. Yes. you got all that goop around the seed. So how do you deal with that?
1: Um, tomatoes are wet. There's usually considered two. We've talked about the dry method of, of seed saving and um, tomatoes fall within the wet method of seed saving. So for wet method seed, like a tomato, what you're going to do is take the tomato, squeeze the tomato, Take the seed, the juice, and the pulp, put it in a jar or some sort of plastic container. You're going to want, it does have a um, gelatinous uh, material that surrounds the seed. We want to remove that because it it inhibits the seed from germination. So Mm -hmm. once you have this, you have the seed, the pulp, and everything germinated, or separated from the tomato, then what you're going to do is set it aside in a warm place somewhere between 60 and 85 degrees. And we're going to let it ferment from anywhere from one day to three days. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: After it ferments, uh, you're going to agitate it several times a day. And as you agitate it, the viable seed will drop to the bottom of the container and mm-hmm. will separate from the pulp and the juice. As as you agitate and it'll th- those seeds when you agitate it's no worries if the seed go you know becomes resuspended because the viable seed will continue to sink as it is separate as it ferments and separates from the gelatinous coating. Mm-hmm. After about 72 hours you don't want to go far beyond 72 hours because you risk um, actually germinating the seat. So you want to, after 72 hours, you're going to want to decant um, the material that is floating at the top of the container off the seat. The next step is to um, rinse, is to repeat that. So you're going to pour water in, agitate it. Let the seed settle, then pour that off until pretty much your seed, you're left with the seed in the bottom of the container and anything that was floating or is, it was light and, and, and uh, the juices and pulp are poured off. After that, you're going to take the seed, put it into a fine mesh strainer, and then you're going to continue to rinse the seed off with um, clear water. After that's done, um, you can. You're going to want to dry the seed down. Uh, you can either dry it down if you have um, a screen of some variety. Uh, you can lay it out on the screen in a place that is um, that is going to have uh, air circulation, um, but no sunlight. Uh, then you can, or you can put it on uh, wax paper or on coffee filters. Mm. Set it aside so that it dries down completely. That could take up to two weeks depending on your conditions, on your drying conditions. Mm. Um, Again, with with tomato seed, there are two things that uh, you want to know is that a tomato seed, when it's fully dry, uh, when you fold it, take one of the seeds, fold it. If it breaks in half, it's dry enough to store. Again, label your Label the outside of your container with your your seed source, what variety it is, if you know its scientific or Latin name, put that on it. Um, the original source of the seed and the reason why you saved it, or what about the variety you you enjoy. If you are not sure whether your seed is going to breed true to type put that on there too. say possible cross because Mm -hmm. yeah. And that way you that way for your own garden purposes, when you plant out the following season, you might have what we call mystery seed. So you might get a mystery pepper, a mystery, mystery, tomato mystery, whatever cucumber,
0: right. And those are not always bad. No, They aren't. (laughs) Sometimes they're very good. You know, I I think
1: some of the most interesting stories um, and posts I see in different um, gardening groups I belong to is the the mystery squash that started out in the compost pile or the mystery tomato or potato that started out in the Mm -hmm. compost pile. Um, Sometimes these crosses um, that show up or these mystery seeds that show up Uh, they're expressing a, a, a tenacity and vigor that might mean that they will be very successful. So it's something that the home gardener can use to experiment. It used to be that for seed savers, seed saving was something everybody did. Every home gardener did. And we have gotten out of that habit. What we're hoping to do is encourage people to save seed, save diversity and to also increase access to fresh, locally grown food for our communities.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you have your, well, one more question. Do you, you, with with the the seeds seeds you've you've saved, saved, do you do 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 a viability test? That is, you don't put it between some damp paper towels or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yes. In fact, we encourage everybody to
1: do a, uh, a germination test. A right. germin- t- uh, easy germination test. Uh, you can find the information at the uni- University of Minnesota Extension Office. Um, there's a great video on how to do the ragdoll method, which is exactly what you just said. Easy, simple test for that is take a paper towel, 10 seeds, put out 10 seeds on the paper towel, fold it, uh, a damp label the paper towel with, again, basic crop information, date that you started the test, fold it, put it in a plastic uh, plastic baggie, set it aside. Most seed does not need sunlight to germinate. It just needs mm-hmm. water to germinate. So then you're going to keep records. You're going to start looking at the seed at day three and see if there's any germination. Then you're going to check Progressively until on the seed packet, usually there it should tell you the typical um, germination uh, time to germination on there. So you're going to use that as your guide and go from day one to let's say day ten, and you're going to check how much seed has germinated within that time frame, and that's going to give you your germination rate. So if right. out of ten seeds after ten days you have 10 seeds have germinated, then you've got almost a 100% germination rate. So you have very viable seed.
0: When let's say somebody wants to get started with gardening, they don't necessarily have seeds. If they wanted to get seeds from a seed library, are there going to be events this winter or how, how, when would that happen?
1: So, um, um national seed swap day is actually the last i think saturday in january and a lot of organizations in non-epidemic years uh will have a seed swap that uh, an actual meet where you where you would meet up and swap seeds um, with other gardeners or other seed mm-hmm. savers uh there are Seed saving and seed swapping is still going on. Uh, different seed libraries have different ways uh, and different organizations have different ways of getting seed out into communities. Um, this particular year, we uh, were in collaboration with um, the St. Paul Seed Circle and Stephanie Hankerson and uh, Minnesota uh, State Horticulture Society through the Minnesota Green Program to literally get seed out through little free cabinets throughout the um uh, Twin Cities region. Um, there was mm-hmm. over 5,000 seed packets that were uh, distributed uh, through these little free seed cabinets. Um, it was uh, the program or the campaign was called Outplant the Outbreak.
0: Oh, that's a great one.
1: That's uh, a great program. And many of the, um, and I have to say nationally, many seed libraries went to that mode of distributing seed. Uh, they, I know that the Growing West Side Seed Library, um, which is normally housed in a library, um, they their seed stock, they had to wait until they had access to their seed stock. And again, distributed it through um, little free cabinets and through um, touchless exchanges. For us as a seed library, that's what we've been doing this year, where you as a traveling seed library we would pop up at events we would be available um, we would distribute seeds from boulevard pop-ups we would also m- you might find us at a seed bank or at a community food bank um, just trying to get people to uh, have access to locally grown food um, that they can produce um, this particular year uh, we had we were working on an online catalog for uh so people could select seed um, uh, and we also, beside our spring event, which was virtual, um, we also uh, had a mailbox that people could either select seeds online and then let us know and su- submit a form, and then we would either put them out for collection or that they we could mail them their seed selections. Um, the uh, White Bear Lake. Seed library um, holds multiple seed um, events, uh, uh, touchless seed events. I think on Thursdays or Saturdays, um, and their seed library is, I think, still um, is still uh, available through uh, the through the library location. Um, the uh, Pam Fink is the seed librarian at that particular library.
0: Right. And i have a list of seed libraries in Minnesota that I can link to as well. Wonderful. So so if you're outside of the Twin Cities, there are some seed libraries out there. There are a lot
1: of seed libraries in Minnesota. We're very blessed in that there are a lot of people who are stewarding um, and and trying to distribute seed um, throughout their community. Uh, And some of these seed libraries are very um, community specific. Uh,
0: They serve only their indigenous communities. Right and we'll link to that as well as an article that I have about um how to start a seed library. So just close with any suggestions you'd have for resources for someone who wants to start saving seeds are there books uh you know videos websites that you think would be particularly helpful and we can link to some of those as well.
1: Well first of all I want to talk about um a the an effort that's um here in the in the region that is called um, the Minnesota seed or Minnesota seed project, um, Mm -hmm. which is um, a collaboration uh, of the Minnesota state horticulture society, um, the St. Paul seed circle, Como community seed library, uh, the growing West side seed library, Duluth community garden program. Um, And Minnesota seed is the saving um, essential edibles and diversity project. Um, We've uh, this project, this effort came out of a, a conversation uh, that these organizations were having that we wanted to establish a um, local, locally adapted seed source. Locally mm-hmm. adapted seed has shown to be more uh, vigorous and um, and just more successful um, for the home gardener and for the small scale ag. ag- um, g- the small scale grower um, and so in insta- in a, in s- establishing this particular seed group um, if if folks want to go to the Minna- uh, Minnesota State Horticulture Society website they can
0: northerngardener.org that's yes. where you find thank it. you and i'll
1: put a link to that okay as well. um so if you if you go there um folks who join this project uh, will have access to um workshops and, uh, and seed saving resources. Um, I mentioned the, the kit that's available uh, that will have blossom bags, lettuce bags, if you wish to, which are the isolation methods for the home that are easy peasy for the home gardener. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, um, seed saving, uh, uh, Form that will be that will walk them through the information that they'll want to label their seeds with, and that are good to think about in going forward in their seed saving journey, uh, as well as how to share seeds, um, whether through seed libraries or through um, a, a seed bank that is being uh, established through um, this particular collective.
0: Hi. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a great cool. program and again we'll we'll link to it in the show notes so people can get all the information and maybe get one of the kits too. Sounds cool. So. Okay. Well, Dawn, thank you so much for joining me. This has been really interesting. I think I'll go out and save a few seeds from my yard. Now. <laughs> Try at least to gain, gain. I do have some beans so I can save those. So uh, one last thing that I wanted, not
1: mm-hmm. along with that, save your seeds story because along with seeds are seed stories. And as stewards of seeds, we want to talk about the growers and the reasons why we save them. Mm-hmm.
0: Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of Grow It Minnesota. If you have comments, questions, or a topic you'd like to see covered, please send me an email at growitmn at gmail.com. You can also follow along between episodes at growitmn on Instagram. Have a great day. We'll be back with another episode in a couple of weeks.